Hello, good evening and welcome to Isotopica with me, Simon Tishko, and this week is a special edition of Isotopica where I am going to be in conversation with Roger Hallam, who is one of the co-founders of Extinction Rebellion, which, if you are listening to this after the 15th of April 2019, then you will almost certainly have heard of Extinction Rebellion. They are an international mass movement of civil disobedience set up to directly challenge our government's inactivity when faced with an existential threat of climate disruption. This conversation with Roger will give some of the details of the founding of Extinction Rebellion and its aims. I do hope you shall enjoy and let's go straight in to the conversation with Roger Hallam. So Roger, you've been involved with starting an organisation which seems to be one of the only group of people in the world at the moment that is choosing to tackle this issue head on. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a rebellion, to be more precise. Rebellion, a lovely, a lovely word. <laughs> yeah. Organisation sounds a little bit like, you know, something that's trundling along. It's yeah, not okay. a trundling along thing. Yeah, nice, a nice word. I mean, it came to my attention in November. And what's the genesis? How did it start? Where, where's it come from? Well, it goes back three or four years, I guess, when there were a number of academics and activists who got together and sort of sat in a room and said, it's not working. Mm. You know, everything's getting worse. Everything's getting worse faster. Everything we've been doing for the last 30 years looks like it's going to fail. We're quite a miserable bunch. <laughs> but, you know, we're ruthlessly realistic. That's mm-hmm. one of our one of our characteristics, I suppose. And we set up this thing called Rising Up, which was aiming at how to transform the political and economic system into something semi-decent as mm. fast as possible. And, and that's, and can, can I just interject there, is this specifically climate or the wider thing? Because everything you've described there, everything seems wrong on such uh, across the board. Yeah, it's the whole thing because the whole thing is interconnected. Mm-hmm. And and that was one of our realisations is for 30 years, people have been focusing on this and that, you know, campaigns for that, campaigns for this. And for 30 years, people have just shied away from the realisation that everything's, everything's connected and it's all going to have to change in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. which is a terrible thing to have to say, right? <laughs> because you know that's a big job and that's why people have been avoiding that reality of course so it's not like you know being naively ambitious or something it's just like that's it or it's all over mm. so so that's that was the realization and then we spent two years doing research on it going out getting arrested going to prison you know doing like on the street activism working out what works what doesn't work mm. Uh, and that's not a big difference with us, is we're interested in the literatures, we're interested in what people have done before the neoliberal period mm-hmm. when political struggle was like a real thing. And and our aim really is to bring that back into, into the political space, as mm-hmm. you might say. And in January this year, I did a paper called Pivoting to the Real Issue, which basically argued that the climate crisis is the battering ram through which we're going to expose the total degeneracy and corruption of the system. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know whether that was going to work, but we're a mad bunch of people and we thought we're just going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it, it's, you do have an incredible momentum, global momentum now, but that's 
very much been boosted by the reports that have come out over the last few months even, the 10 to 12 years to actually make any difference whatsoever to runaway climate change has shaken a lot of people, but yeah. still widespread inactivity, certainly from a governmental level. Yeah, there's, I think there's two things that's going on. I think we've reached a sort of tipping point in in our consciousness where enough people have suddenly decided that it's real. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've known about climate change, haven't we? You know, yeah, forever, it's, forever. Yeah, and yeah, every year you go, yeah, yeah, that's that's that, and someone's probably going to sort it out, yeah. and we're going to be okay. And mm-hmm. there's these, you know, NGOs and just political parties and. You know, every year we've had the same old story, haven't we? You know, it's really bad, but we're sorting it out and it's going to be okay. Recycle more, (laughs) change your life. Do this, do that. And uh, every year it's just like this train approaching, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And and I think in the last 12 months, millions of people just woken up to the reality that it's not going to get sorted out. Mm. It's not going to get sorted out with the political parties. It's not going to get sorted out with the NGOs. You know, there's loads of great people in those organisations, but they've got the wrong method um what we need to do now is rebel because mm-hmm. that's that's the last throw of the dice it's it's something that struck me when i first started looking at what you're doing is so much resistance to even acknowledgement of climate change comes from sort of in the american system this kind of libertarian hardcore libertarian selfish denialism and there is a great belief in America that climate change science is a conspiracy to basically bring about the kind of political change you're talking about. And yet it's it, it's the reality because there's no sign. Um, yeah, but I think that's like an old narrative, right? You know, okay. there's a lot of self-congratulation and progressive circles and left-wing circles, which goes something along the line. It's all due to the American right, and if they mm-hmm. sorted it themselves out, we'd be fine. And we're all virtuous because we know climate change is happening, and we want to do something about it, right? That's all bollocks, mm-hmm. right? Nothing's happening on the left, you know, mm-hmm. to speak of, yep. because we're all in denial. I'm in denial even, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm spending 14 hours a day doing Extinction Rebellion at the moment. Okay. You know, I go into the office and think, well, maybe it's not, you know, and it just comes in waves, as I was saying to you, it's like, comes like grief isn't it it's like you think it's real and then you forget about it for a while and it comes back so we're all in this like psychological repressed denial space together Mm -hmm. because no one can quite get their head around what it looks like for billions of people to die from starvation in the next 20 years right i mean no no it's not in our experience so i think the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that we're all in denial and still in denial and we need to start thinking seriously about what we as collectives are going to do, particularly in progressive circles, because mm-hmm. there's loads of blocks in progressive circles, as you know, we can talk about, on actually making this the, this is the everything final chapter in humanity. So let's get on with it, you know, and try and sort it out. Sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's the, the scale of it is described in the book that I started off reading from. It's, it's a phenomenon which we are, we're not even wired to comprehend the scale of this kind of phenomena. And yet it's one uh, we actually have the chance to make a difference on, but in a very, very, very short space of time. And personally, I've been frozen in, to inaction for such a long period of time, sort of, 
you know, working on my very clever intellectual, conceptual, fine art practice. And I'm just thinking, why? What, you know, there's, what's, what's the point? And suddenly a little, little light on the horizon, Extinction Rebellion, you know, I've seen. Um, how are we going to do this? What's, what's, what's actually going to happen? What's, how did you come up with a strategy which so far seems to have built such a momentum? Well, well as I said, you, you, you need to think about this a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like do the same things we've been doing for 30 years. Yeah. That's the third, that's, that was the main realisation. Mm-hmm. And as I said, you know, in this interview, I don't want to like be knocking the people that have been working at it for, for 30 years. You know, they're great guys. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, it's not working. No, right? nothing's changed. So we just need to be a little bit honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the realisation. And I've been working for four or five years now with a bunch of other academics and activists on on coming up with the method of changing things which has the highest likelihood of working. So that's the other thing to say. Like, there's loads of other ways that could work, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the one that's the best bet. And that doesn't mean it's going to work, right? There's no guarantees. No, of course not. So, but we don't have any choice. It's not like some other thing out there that means we're going to be okay. We've got to look at different options. And there's sort of, you know, there's, there's three options. There's continuing, as we've done for 30 years, which send emails, send money to NGOs, go on A to B marches, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we know all that routine. Mm-hmm. And then if we look in history, there's another tradition, which is violence. Mm-hmm. But we know, and the social science is done on this, is, you know, violence destroys democracy. It excludes people. It creates tyranny, civil war, and... No, it's a it's a pathway to help. Yeah. So, what we left with, what we left with, is mass participation, in civil disobedience, non-violent direct action on a mass scale, mm-hmm. and that's what we call the civil resistance model, which has been enacted in the global south like every two or three years for the last fifty years, and it goes something like this: you know, people decide they've had enough. You know, something terrible happens, and they go to the capital city, and they block the capital city in thousands until the government gets its act together or it collapses. What are the, who, who are we talking about here? Because I know in Bolivia, the, the sort of cocoleros and the farmers and the peasants did a lot of blockades because it's easier to do within the geographic framework there. But who else is? Zapistas, are they one of the examples of this? Yeah, and it's happened in the Philippines in 1984. It happened in, in Burma. It's happened in South Africa. It's happened in South American countries. Mm-hmm. It happened in Armenia, like last year. No one cares about Armenia, so they probably I, don't I know. I know nothing about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen lo- lo- lots of countries, the, the big sort of shock for people, I suppose, is that is the, the realisation this could happen in a Western democracy, in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, but that's history. You know, people think nothing's going to happen and then something happens and then everyone goes, oh, I never thought that would happen. Uh-huh. You know, so this is what we're, we're heading towards and this is obviously the progressive outcome. You know, the default outcome is we have authoritarianism and fascism mm-hmm. and they sort it out and we know how they sort it out. So we're, de- we're developing this this method and it involves mobilising thousands of people. It means people working together who don't particularly get on. You know, it's not a purity thing. It's a, mm-hmm. a mobilisation strategic thing, which is saying we need a critical mass of people to be prepared to be arrested in order to get this onto the agenda at a minimum and a maximum we bring down the government and replace it with a citizens' assembly.
Well, that's the weird thing about climate change, because I'm sure lots of listeners are going, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And we've uh -huh. had this idea for 30 years, right? We can create a better society. But the, 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 the sort of paradoxical thing now is, is, you know, we've got this terrible, terrible situation, but I, I, paradoxically, we've also got the chance to create something so, so, so much better mm -hmm. because everyone suddenly realised it's either or. You know, there's no trundling around in the middle anymore. Mm -hmm. You're going to be going down the pan or we're going to have, like, some real democracy in the world. And there's not much in between. 30 years, keep bringing up the figure of 30 years, and in the book that I started off with, it was pointed out, a shocking thing, that um, in the last 30 years, we've done more climate damage than has been done in the whole industrial history. And that is damage that's been done with full knowledge of the consequences. So it's, as, as you say, it's systemic, isn't it? it? It has to be a change of system. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the research I've been doing at, at King's College is, ba is basically about denial and interest and how these interact and the psychology of denial and how you get change to happen. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we've had the wrong model for 30 years. And this, the, the old model is you give people information and then they look at it rationally and then they make a change, right? And, and you know, that might happen on something small. But mm -hmm. when, you ha when you're dealing with entrenched interests, namely the elites are making far too much money out of destroying the world, it doesn't matter how many pieces of paper or reports scientists do. It's completely irrelevant. What's relevant when you're in dealing with entrenched power? And I'm saying this as a social scientist, and I'm making an ideological point. Sure. It, it, you need to create disruption. You need to create disruption. Mm -hmm. And what that means is you affect the economic interests of your opponent. Now, there's nothing new here. Right? You know, from the mid-19th century, workers realized that the way they're going to get better paying conditions from the bosses was to go on strike. There was no point going to the bosses and saying, hey, we've done this report saying, you know, you know, we're living in poverty and what have you, and could you please do something about it? Everyone knows like that never works. Mm -hmm. What works is the workers say, we're going to go on strike and we're going to carry on until your accountant comes in and tells you you're losing so much money. And then surprise, surprise, the boss will come to the table and do a deal with you. So we're not really sort of thinking about anything new here. We're just talking about blockading the elites, you know, going on strike against the elites, as it were, as mm -hmm. a whole nation or thousands of people in the capital city. And, and that's what's new. But it's not that new because, as I said, in lots of small countries in the global south, no one really sure. knows about, it has been happening. So, you know, that's our best bet as far as we're concerned. And there's no guarantees, of course. You know, of I'm course. sure lots of people can pull it apart and say, well, you know, this might happen and that might happen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But what's the alternative emailing? It's, it's, act, it's action <laughs> now, isn't it? Um, and another, you know, fairly obvious thing is that already we've seen a huge political change because of climate disruption to a large extent. Like the refugees from Syria, a large part of the problem in Syria was due to drought, the political instability which was already there, but also climate disruption. And the relatively few number of Syrian refugees has caused a knee-jerk rise in popularism. And, you know, far-right, you mm. know, the Trumps, the Orbans, the... Well, this is one of the different things, I think, about Extinction Rebellion, is, as far as I'm concerned, we're not an environmentalist organisation. OK. Right? We're a political organisation. Mm -hmm or even beyond the politics. It's That's about really existential. Yeah. Okay. We're trying to change the framing. We know we're not talking about polar bears here. What we're talking about is fascism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this directly relates to progressive and left people. 
We're saying there's going to be no workers' rights left on a dead planet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be mass refugee crisis yep. if this carries on. We're talking about the loss of everything that radical and progressive people have achieved over the last 300 years. We're throwing that away because we're sitting around not rebelling. Yep. Now, previous generations, you know, going back to the French Revolution, they had to fight for their rights, you know, and they died for their rights. And that's the reason why we're sitting here today, you know, in relative freedom and relative equality, because people died mm-hmm. for that. And I think that has like a major moral sort of implication for us sitting here today going, you know what, you know, I'm away on holiday that week in April. I won't be able to get arrested. Sorry. Sure. You see uh-huh. what I mean? There's something like appallingly selfish and immoral about just standing around waiting this to happen. You know, apart from the fact of what we're going to be saying to our children in 20 years' time, when they're saying, you're just sitting around. And I think every generation has this, this challenge. Just about every generation has this challenge. And this is our challenge for our generation. Um, Roger, you talk about, and when you go to the Extinction Rebellion website, two tick boxes, I am willing to be arrested and be unwilling to go to prison. Tell me, what, what's the rationale behind that? I understand it's very, very central to this as an act of civil rebellion, civil disobedience. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first thing to say about this, there's been a lot of criticism of it, you know, as if we're sitting there going, you know, hey, hey, it's great, you know, going to prison or it's great, you yeah. know, getting arrested. Well, it sort of isn't, it isn't, it mm-hmm. isn't, isn't. But it's not like, it's not like we want people to suffer or we want to pressurise people. We're just making a fairly clear social scientific point, which is when you're dealing with entrenched power, any society and the progressive people in that society have a choice. They're going to go into rebellion, mass civil disobedience mm-hmm. against the powers that be, or they're going to be passive and not effective. And that's our point. It's like there's not another choice here. You know, the emailing method, you know, isn't working, mm-hmm. period. Yep. So what else are we going to do? We're just going to sit there being miserable because, you know, we don't want to take further action. Or do we want to look in a sort of vigorous and systematic way to see how people overcome tyranny and murderous regimes in the past. And the name of the game, you know, is mass participation civil disobedience, which necessarily involves arrest, which potentially involves prison. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been arrested like 10 times in the last two years. And in a Western country, for most people, most of the time, this is not like a major sacrifice, sure. you know. Just to let people know, you know, a police person takes you into, you know, a car, you drive off to the station, you fill in some forms like any other institution, you're put in a room, you know, you lie down on some plastic mattress, a few hours later you have an interview, then you go and see this guy on the desk again and he lets you out. And mm-hmm. a month later you go to a court and get, you know, a conditional commitment, which means don't do it again, or, you know, 100, 200, 300 pound fine. So we're not talking here about anything, you know, off the scale dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, compared with what people have to cope with in the global south. You know, if you, if, you, if you go and do a demonstration in Egypt or something, you're going to have like scars on your head from torture. So the least we can do as far as Extinction Rebellion is concerned is go, yeah, 
cool, you know, yeah. let's let's, gonna, let's go for that option. Being forced to fill out some forms in the police. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. you know, this is not a big deal. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I mean, if everything, going, going back to the climate as the thing, everything pales into insignificance when faced with what is genuinely going to happen yeah. if we don't change the system that is both encouraging and allowing climate disruption on the level of the deer. Yeah, and in some ways, you know, the big optimistic message here is, is it's actually not that difficult to change governments, mm -hmm. you know, to change what governments do. It, it requires a few thousand people to go and get arrested consistently. So, you know, if you block a city, usually somewhere between 10 and 14 days, you're going to be sitting down with the government. So we're not talking about the people rising up here or, you know, everyone taking action. Mm. We're talking about 10 to 20,000 people that have had enough and sitting down in the city streets and saying, we're staying here because we've had enough. Okay, so how, how will this different to Occupy, which, you know, we saw, were excited by and then just saw it evaporate? Because, I mean, Occupy was great, you know, obviously, because it changed the, the, the conversation mm -hmm. and it had a fun, created a fantastic effect upon the global imagination on, on the inequality situation. But it wasn't a rebellion, mm. right? Coming back to a strike, you know, you can, you can camp outside your boss's door and say, you know, we think what you're doing is really bad. That's not going to bring home the bacon. What's, gonna, what's going to affect things is when you affect the bottom line of the elites. Yeah. And the way to do that, the quickest and most effective way to do that is to do it in the capital city because that's where they're located. And that's where the media is. And that's what's going to create the global conversation and de debate. You know, that's where people are going to see a new way of doing things. Okay. Uh, and it's coming, you know, one way or another, this is coming. Yeah. You've got something really big coming up very soon. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I want to invite all your listeners. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> listening out a there. Warm, yeah. A warm welcome yeah. to to the biggest act of mass civil disobedience in a generation. Exciting. Um, in central London, 11am, mm -hmm. Parliament Square, um, 15th of April, Monday, take the day off work, do a sickie, give up your job, whatever mm -hmm. it takes, uh, come to the entertainment in the evening, and then we'll be spreading around, around central London and blockading London with a lot of youth mobilisation as well mm -hmm. on the on, on the go, which we can talk about in a bit. Yep. And um, and it's fairly straightforward. You sit in the street until, you know, we get into the room and send young people in to talk to Theresa May or whoever deems to talk to us. And uh, it's not going to be pretty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, we're in a crisis. Yep. So, um, I mean, you know. We've seen, you know, from the student... Uh, protest at the beginning of the coalition, you know, the kettling and this, that and the other. We've seen reaction yet so far with the Extinction Rebellion. The reaction has been quite restrained, do you think? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're an organised mass civil disobedience or, organisation, you know, uh -huh. network. Mm -hmm. in, in other words, we don't just call for an uprising. You know, we, we have trainings, non-violent direct action trainings. We're having those like several places every week around London. We're setting up 32 groups in London. Mm -hmm. At the moment, we've got about 15 on the go. In different, every borough is going to have an Extinction Rebellion uh, group. Right. So you can join your local group mm -hmm. and go and get trained. And then you join an affinity group, which is a technical word for a support group. You go and sit down in the road together, you know, have your sandwiches together, get on, go to pub, you know, all that sort of thing yep, afterwards. Yep, yep. And, and then we have 
an organised design. We know where we're going to block. It's very exciting in that, that, that you're offering the chance genuinely you can do things. So the listeners out there um, look up Extinction Rebellion on the web and genuinely get involved. I mean, last week I met your podcast team. Um, you know, we talked to see if I could help with anything with resonance, etc. And within that group of people, there were sort of two BBC producers, da, 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 just a group of people so engaged. This is, this is what's fundamentally different. And obviously a lot of people don't like this okay. <laughs> because a lot of people just would like to stay in their little tribe, right? But if you're going to fundamentally change society and undermine the elite's power, you have to build like a movement of many different movements uh-huh. and many different cultures. Mm. And we're not saying we've got it all right, of course, but the fact of the matter is we've, you know, I, I, I talked to a guy last week, you know, he works in the city. He's worked in the city for 30 years. He's just given up his job to work full-time for Extinction Rebellion. I know another guy, you know, who lives in a squat, anarchist guy, right? Mm-hmm. They're sitting next to each other in the office. Perfect. Right? There's no way they're going to agree on lots of things. Yeah. But this is what's different, is people have started to realise that we've got to grow up. You know, we all have our little issues and our big issues. Mm-hmm. And we all think we're right and we all think other people are wrong. But at the end of the day, we're all going to go down the pan if we don't start working together. This is a universalist, you know, total, cha- this changes everything type of issue. This is, it affects this everything. change everything. It, it changes everything, as yeah. Naomi Klein said. Mm-hmm. Except it hasn't changed everything because reading books doesn't do the trick, no. right? You know, fe- feeling virtuous doesn't do the trick. As you say, we all get, we all get the emails from change.org, et cetera, et cetera. We all sign the online petitions. And it's just, it's meaningless with a sense of virtuous sortie or whatever, having ticked that box. Um, youth, I mean, that's very notable. You, you, you know, I know you want to talk about kind of the youth movement and the Greta Thunberg. Um, I, I watched her. She's just been nominated for Nobel Prize. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> the thing is, I yesterday, she has. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Yesterday, I watched the first time her speak at the climate thing in Poland, which was just yeah. such a perverse event anyway. Yeah. Because one of the major coal producing countries, and Poland basically set it up so they could promote their coal. Didn't yeah. they? That's where they were happy. And she gave this. I mean, I'm not an emo- I barely got a heart, let alone emotion. Yeah, it was bringing tears to my eyes. Just the, the the veracity of what she was saying and, and the actual authenticity to an almost empty room, I noticed, yeah. when the camera pulled out. The world leaders were having a cup of tea elsewhere. Well, this is, this is why you know that their days are numbered. It's <laughs> because they're so, <laughs> in the room. they're so unbelievably stupid. Mm-hmm. The most unbelievably stupid elite in the history of humanity. Yeah. That they just can't get their head around the fact that they're destroying everything they're supposed to not be destroying. Yeah. You know, they're destroying capitalism. Yes. They're destroying their own wealth. Yes. And of course, they're destroying the next generation, I mean, which I mean, makes we, them yeah. beyond criminal. We don't even need to be talking about climate in this instance. When no. we look at the, shenan- the shenanigans, horrible word, I won't use that. No. The, the, just see what's happening around Brexit. I mean, it's, it's the yeah. most perverse set of non-competent people. Attempting to do what? Yeah, you have to go back to, you know, 1785, you know, Versailles. Uh-huh. You know, read a bit of history about yeah, yeah, yeah. what the French nobility and kings sure. were doing, you know, let at that time. Let them eat cake. They, let them eat cake. Mm-hmm. That's their message, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. You know, and um, a few of them know it's coming, but yeah. it's definitely coming. I mean, the UN, the recent UN report on poverty in England is utterly... It, 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 it's it's almost a war crime. This is a class war crime that is going on at the moment. And mm. yet, 
can't even build to say their names, you know, dismissed it. We don't like the language they use. Sorry, we're mm. going to ignore that. We're going to carry on. Well, as they say, you know, like, I, I don't want to sit, sit here for the next 50 minutes congratulating ourselves nope. on nope. why the bad guys are bad, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what I say to people is, you know, most radical people spend all the time reading books about why the world is bad. Sure. That's not what we need to be reading. And my what we need to be reading mm. is how to organise people to participate in mass resistance. Yeah. And that's a completely different literature, right? Sure. It's about organisational skills, it's about mm -hmm. psychology. Mm. You know, it's about cutting-edge social science. And the cutting-edge social science has been done. So we, we need to start reading about that and then joining in mass coalition building to do mass civil disobedience. And this thing that's happening in April, this rebellion, you know, it's going to be happening all around the world. This is going to be a game-changer. Mm -hmm. Because if you block city streets day after day, then something's going to happen, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, we're going to have a mass arrest. It's quite possible we'll have mass arrests. And, yeah. we're, you know, we're talking to the police about it and saying, you know, if you want to arrest thousands of people, go ahead, because we're prepared to be arrested. Okay. And that, the central theory of nonviolence is one of the things people don't quite get, uh, you know, a lot of progressive left people don't get, is, is that through that sacrifice, you basically expose the violence of the system. Mm-hmm. So there's no easy way of doing this. It's not like there's another alternative. You have to basically blockade the interests of the elites to draw out their violence. And they will be violent, of course, because mm. they've got a lot to, to protect. But if you maintain nonviolent discipline, you expose them for what they are. Because at the moment, obviously, for the last 30 years, the elites have played this, this nice game of saying, we're really nice guys, you know, mm -hmm. Davos, you know, they're going to do all these papers on on how they're going to save the world for us, right? But they're not. They're killing our kids. That's the plan. Yeah. And, it, you know, it takes a, a while for that penny to drop. They're, they're actually going to kill the next generation. Mm -hmm. That is the plan. So, you know, what we have to do is do this mass civil disobedience, draw out the reality of their criminality. Mm -hmm. And that's when they'll be on the last legs. Because as Gandhi says, you know, first they ignore you. Well, they've been ignoring us for a long time. Then they laugh at you. That's what they're doing at the moment. Lots of people are laughing at us, you mm -hmm. know. They laugh at Greta, right? They just think, oh, you know, <laughs> that little girl. You, yeah, know, yeah, don't yeah. Need to, you don't need to bother about these young people. And then they'll start fighting us. And if we can maintain nonviolent discipline, then as Gandhi says, we'll win. So we, we're approaching that point now, of course. Yeah, the only voice that's actually offering a cogent form of action, and I cannot stress this enough to anyone listening to this on Resonance, that it's something not only you can get involved in, but I think you really must get involved in. Because you, you, you mentioned earlier on that, you know, as it is, we're going to kill the next generation. But the thing is, that gives a sense of security as well, thinking, well, it's actually the next generation. So if I don't, if I stay at home, this, that and the other, what's going to be happening with the weather, with the climate is going to be happening in our lifetime. It, I mean, it's, it's already happening now. Yeah, it's already it's happening just now. Uh, yeah. it hasn't gone to the supermarket no. shelves yet, yeah. right? You know, I mean, uh, people should know I was an organic farmer for 20 years, right? Okay. I know how to grow food. Uh -huh. But I don't grow food outside anymore. Think about that for a minute. I do not grow food outside. I grow food in polytunnels, but I can't afford the risk of growing food outside. The risk of? The risk of extreme weather. Today, I've got Roger Hallam, who is one of the founders of Extinction Rebellion. Is that correct? Good way of describing yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that'll do. Okay. And for anyone that doesn't know, Extinction Rebellion in my opinion, seems to be the only game in town at the moment in terms of what's actually really happening with any consequence in the world right now. My situation, right? Sure. You know, like food production in the Northern Hemisphere was down 30% last year. 
we could be starving in three years. Yeah. Uh, you know, this isn't a mad conspiracy theory. This no, is, no, 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 no. This is like Hard professor science. of sustainability saying sure. this. Mm -hmm. You know, 30 years experience. And, and this is what makes it different. This is why it's not just another thing. No. Th this is it. You know, when you get respectable academics saying this stuff, it's a bit like going to the doctor and the doctor tells you you've got cancer, you know. You don't ignore the doctor. <laughs> I mean, if you do, well, good luck, right? But you can't. You don't ignore the science. I think it was on some social media post from Extinction Rebellion that every uh, disaster movie starts off with a whole bunch of scientists being ignored, and it's it's it's, it's a science fiction. It's yeah. a science fiction script isn't it it is Everything i mean i read is, the yeah. i read the back of june you know that yeah of, really course, big, of course, course you know it goes something like this you know there was this nice planet and then all these bad guys took over the planet and destroyed almost everyone and then a few people were left um, and one of them decided to resist and they strode out into battle knowing that it was completely hopeless you know dot 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 mm -hmm. so that's 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 the you know it's the most ancient primal archetype of human existence yep. which is there's evil in the world it's taken over and we march out to resist it because that's who we are and and, and this is like the positive message you know you're saying yep. before before we went on there that you know you, you're really miserable and people don't like that that this is the positive side of it do you yep. see what i mean the positive side is we're only going to be on this planet for a certain amount of time anyway. We're all going to die. So the question is, how do you live an exciting and good life? And how you do that is to resist evil when it comes along. And if we haven't got like something off the page evil here, then God help us. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the thing. That's the positivity is, is becoming whole and going, great, let's do this. And the very first chance to do this is going to be, I mean, apart from joining or finding out and joining and spreading the word of Extinction Rebellion and actually becoming involved, because it's, it's, it's running itself, isn't it? It's going to be so many people involved. It's massive. It's yeah. massive. I mean, I've been campaigning mm -hmm. for 35 years, right? Yeah. I haven't seen anything like it. I mean, yeah. I'm blown away. Mm -hmm. I'm particularly blown away by how many people come into our London office from every walk of life and say, I've been shitting myself, you know, I've been crying at night, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm over it. And now I'm going to do something. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's all sorts of different sorts of people. And they're giving up their jobs, you know. So if anyone out there wants to give up their job, mm -hmm. you know, we've got six weeks to go before the rebellion, mm -hmm. come down to our office in London. It's on the website. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's loads to do. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not going to come again, right? No. <laughs> and uh, as you know, started off saying the only game in town, there, there, there really isn't anything else to get involved in at the moment except this, it seems. It would seem so, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, don't want to sound it, too unhumble. No, I, mean, I, I, I can't see, you know, not thinking about the next Venice Biennale and I'm going to talk about my childhood issues, this, that and the other, when faced with there may not be any electricity at the next Venice Biennale. There may no. not be any food. There may not be any transport because it can seriously tip to this very, very quickly. Scientifically uncharted territory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been helping to organise campaigns for, you know, three decades. And, and to be honest with you, I'm a complete pluralist. You know, I don't mind whether it's animal rights or women rights or labour stuff or, you know, environmental stuff. I've done lots of different things. And I'm really encouraged, you know, lots of people to do different things because that's great. But I'm not a pluralist anymore. There's only one thing left. Mm -hmm. And that's the climate in ecological emergency. It's yeah. all hands on deck because there's nothing, nothing on the dead planet. 
You know, there's no women rights on a dead planet. There's no animal rights. You know, there's no labour rights on a dead planet. So this is it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it sounds dogmatic, but it's no, like, it's, let's get with the programme, you know? It, 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 it absolutely <laughs> is. I mean, I'm, I'm going to read more from the book that we started off with today, which, you know, just the opening pages last night. Actually, um, I think I read about 16 pages and I thought, I'm going to have a vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it just kind of came out of nowhere because it's it's so total and it's not it's not mad shit. This is calm consensus, both politics and science. Yeah, I think the da- the, the, the downside is dealing with it by yourself. It's like everything. It's isn't impossible. It? It's impossible. If you deal with yeah. it by yourself, you're mm-hmm. just going to be like crying your eyes out late at night. I'm sure millions of people are doing it, right? Sure. The big choice now is. Are you just going to, you know, be doing that or are you going to join with other people in community mm-hmm. and resist? Yep. And when people walk through the door in Extinction Rebellion, they've made that decision. And then strangely enough, they're actually having a really great time. Sure. Because it's loads of fun bringing the system down, I can tell you. It's, it's engagement you know, in the best it's way fun. possible. <laughs> and I have to say, it's creative. You know, Resonance FM, we're an arts radio station. Yeah. We broadcast arts. It is art. There is nothing more creative than civil disobedience. And, and, oh, yeah, that's the other thing I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. <laughs> which is, before we finish, which yeah. is, I mean, there's got to be loads of artists listening to this or mm-hmm. loads of people that know artists, you know, the yeah. whole range. Like on Thursday nights at the office, we have these cultural open space things. It's just like a party, basically. Mm-hmm. And everyone talks about it to each other, what they're going to do during the rebellion. Because mm-hmm. you want like a sort of Glastonbury in the streets sort of thing. We just want the whole multicultural thing to be happening you know, plays, music, you, know, you name it. We mm-hmm. want it in the streets. Because sure. all these guys are going to be sitting there, like, twiddling their thumbs, in, you know. Want some, some entertainment, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, come along, do whatever you want. It doesn't have to be great. I so we're going to have, you know, blocks, you know. You can go on and you can say, right, we're going to be going to this roundabout, you know, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Who's on next? Yeah. And we're going to do loads of workshops on political stuff and cultural stuff, spiritual mm-hmm. stuff, the whole range. And we want everyone down there, you know, playing the guitars and all the rest of it. Because it's going to be great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look look, look back over the last year, we saw a lot of stuff on the anniversary of the 1968 Paris uprising as, however, the Guy Debord moment. And how beautiful and exciting it looks yeah. you know, through, through the lens of history. But this is a chance to actually engage, and not only just engage, but actually help bring this about yeah it's got to be beautiful and it's got to be visually Mm -hmm. you know amazing and then people the plan is i'll tell you what the plan is right (laughs) the plan is you know all these mad idiot people are going to sit down in the street right Mm. and then the police are going to come and bash them on the head or drag them off or whatever they decide to do and then loads of the people listening to this program are going to go what's going on you know Mm. we've been waiting 30 years for this Mm. we're going to go down there Mm. you know they're going to get out in the streets in camden or brixton you know middle suburbs or inner city areas of london and go right this is it right Mm -hmm. we can't let this happen Mm -hmm. you know the government's got to do something i mean all we're going to be asking to do is is have a meeting right with the government if we have a meeting with the government and they say, right, you know, we don't seriously take take this on, we might leave the streets. You know, if you think, this, you know, sure. we're not we're not like asking for the the world here. No. We're saying, come on, guys, get with the program. And what we're saying to people in London is, you know, if you're in a city in 30 years' time, you know, it's not flooded and yep. got body parts in the street and what hellish scientific, you know, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. science fiction routine you want to think about, then. 
it's get down, sit in the road. Yeah. You know, it's not difficult. Because business, business as usual, uh, the Kyoto Kyoto Protocol, when that was signed, how long ago was that signed? In the 90s or something know, like yeah, that? Yeah, it's ancient history, and isn't it? But... absolutely none of its aims have been met. None of the targets have been met. None of the well, aims have what, been met. What people should know is 1990, that's when the deal was done as far as the science is concerned. Mm-hmm. And they were saying then, you know, it's like a sort of being alcoholic. It's a bit like, I'm going to give up tomorrow, you know, sure. and then I'm going to give up tomorrow. You know, the world elites said in 1990, yeah, yeah, we're going to sort this out within 10 years. That's what the scientists were saying and everyone was working on it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the year 2000, mm-hmm. right? And then they said, oh, year, you know, 2010, 2020, that's when we're going to sort it out. We're 2019. Mm-hmm. Carbon emissions went up 2.7% last year. Mm-hmm. It went up 60% since 1990. Yeah. This is just a suicide run. Yeah, right? we've, we've done the damage. We are the generation that done the damage. And we're luckily the last generation that can possibly undo yeah. the damage we've done. Roger, let's wrap it up. We could obviously talk for this for a long time, and I'd like to bring Extension Rebellion much more to the extended form possible. Um, anyone that wants to take part and wants to make recordings when you actually hit the streets and join in, the more recordings you gather... Um, put them together and we're going to broadcast your experiences of actually being a part of this and it's going to be something we shall all do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a million ways to get involved. We know, yeah. as I say, we need all the artists in London to get down there and we need a few thousand people. That's all it's going to take. Yeah. And then it's going to be very interesting. Very, very and interesting. And cheer us all up a bit. Yeah, we need it. Roger, <laughs> thank you very, very much for A, putting all this work in and B, coming down to talk to us today. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much. Okay, great. Thanks. We have run out of excuses and we are running out of time. We have run out of excuses and we are running out of time. We have run out of excuses and we are running out of time. You have been listening to Isotopica with me, Simon Tishko, in conversation with Roger Hallam, co-founder of Extinction Rebellion. If you have listened to this after the 15th of April 2019, then I'm sure you would have heard of Extinction Rebellion, one of the only organisations in the world to directly challenge our government's inactivity when faced with existential climate disruption. Thank you for listening to Isotopica. More details can be found on my website being www.theculture.net. If you wish to find out more directly about Extinction Rebellion, you can find their details on their website, which is rebellion.earth, or you just need to Google Extinction Rebellion and you will find details of them online. Thanks for listening to Isotopica. This is me, Simon Tishko, signing off for another few days.